Hello, and welcome to another edition of the IDOC Focal Point Podcast. I'm Dr. Steve Vargo, one of the consultants with IDOC, and I have with me Matt de Blasi. Matt's the president of Abide, our vendor partner in the HIPAA compliance space. And we asked Matt on to talk about uh, some of the HIPAA concerns involving the new FTC rule around contact lenses. So how's it going, Matt? It's great, Steve. It's good to be here. Good to talking to you. So. I think doctors have been hearing a lot about the new FTC rule, but as we were discussing earlier, uh, the conversation has really failed to fully consider the HIPAA requirements that are that are part of this. Um, as I understand, this applies in particular to electronic prescriptions. So, so let's maybe start with that. How do offices comply with the new rule if sending prescriptions electronically? Yeah, I think that's a great question. and. Um, you know, when you think about it, FTC deals with consumers and HIPAA deals with with, with patient rights. Um, and so there is going to be some crossover there, especially when you're talking about, you know, a, a, a medical practice that provides a retail aspect to their business, like an optical. Um, and, and so with this new ruling, there is a new requirement. We understand there are um, more steps involved, you know, now than ever, it feels like when seeing a patient. And we understand that. Um, unfortunately, it's a new reality that, you know, we're, we're all trying to, I think, grasp here and, and the best way to comply with it and fit it into our processes. But I think it's important not to lose sight of HIPAA compliance, especially when, um, you know, the electronic prescription is brought into play. And so if practices decide um, rather than providing a, a physical copy of that prescription to the patient at the end of at the end of the contact lens fitting, um, they can send it electronically. In fact, we, we probably would recommend that, um, but it has to be done securely. And I, I think that's the, the big thing for practices that, to be aware of. While that information was not at the forefront when this rule came out, um, the FTC has more or less said in so many words that HIPAA compliance always has to be dealt with. So it's just assumed because we're dealing with a contact lens prescription which includes PHI, that is going to be dealt with if sent electronically in a HIPAA compliant manner. And so if that is something that a practice decides to do um, is, and send those, uh, those prescriptions electronically, there's a few ways that they can easily do it electronically. And I think the easiest way and the least expensive would be through the patient portal. Now, I know there are some concerns around patient engagement on the EHR systems through the patient portal, but this is just a way, great way to, to offset liability um, because you don't have to worry about is the, the email service that I'm using HIPAA compliant? Is it secure? If you're using a, uh, a meaningful use or a promoting interoperability or a MIPS certified product, um, when it comes to EHR, you have that secure portal to use. And I think it's just an easy way to take advantage of that, get the information to the patient, um, note it in their chart that that information was was given, that the prescription was given to the patient, um, making sure that you you have a copy of, of uh, either the, the prescription itself going out um, through the portal or noting it in the, the, the patient chart is, is extremely important because they do recommend that you have up to uh, three years worth of uh, uh, documentation when it comes to sending this information to the patient and having proof that you, you did provide that to them. Um, and so if they don't decide to do it via the portal, there are obviously third-party options out there. And, you know, we've done a great job of partnering up with a few, but you know, the biggest thing is making sure that the, the information is going to be secured. Uh, we recommend through encryption, obviously HIPAA compliant encryption. Um, so any uh, third-party solution that is being used to send this information, 
um, needs to, to make sure they get a business associate agreement signed. And we can dive into more of that. But, you know, making sure that it's done securely, that it's done in a HIPAA compliant manner is going to be of the utmost importance, especially with the way that it seems like they're going to be enforcing this new FTC rule. So if on that point, maybe a two-part question, because I was going to ask you something, but as you're talking, it got me thinking of the compliance part and, and, and enforcing it. Um, the question I was going to ask, how long do offices have to keep a record of providing the prescription and part B here, what, where you ended there, how aggressive do you think that the authorities on this are going to be in pursuing, um, it, it, what happens? Is it a matter of somebody complains that I didn't get my prescription? Do they show up at your door and make sure that you're doing it right? How, how does that work? Yeah, they've got a whole platform ready to go to feel complaints and, and they've let everybody know they, they will follow up on those complaints and investigate to make sure it's done in a, uh, a timely uh, period. Again, there's a lot of crossover here with HIPAA compliance. So we just talk about providing this information in a timely manner. It really happens through HIPAA compliance that, you know, patient right of access and making sure you're providing your patients access to their information in a um, in a timely period when requested is is ultimately the core of the problem here. Um, and, and so, you know, again, that's where there's a, a lot of crossover. Um, but they do need to keep the information for three years as the FTC is, has identified, as I mentioned before. Um, but the only way that they're really going to gain any attention and gain any traction is to enforce, you know, the penalties that they've associated. I'm not keen on, on the FTC penalties when it comes to the dollar amount or, or what that looks like. Um, but again, from what we've seen with HIPAA compliance, when it comes to patient right of access, um, just in the last three months, the government has levied 11 patient right of access fines. Um, not all, you know, have anything to do with uh, uh, contact lens prescriptions. But that's the other thing to think about is that within these jurisdictions of uh, the Department of Health and Human Services, which is under the OCR, and then you have the, the FTC, you know, the FTC can send a case to the Department of Health and Human Services and the OCR. So if they identify that a practice is complying with the FTC rule when investigated within a timely manner, um, but they also identify that it's not done in a secure manner, there can be a referral process at that point to then move the case and the investigation over to the Department of Health and Human Services or the Office for Civil Rights because it falls under HIPAA compliance. And so um, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a bit concerning because we see a, uh, you know, at Abide, we see a, a large lack of compliance when it comes to sending PHI electronically. Um, so we wanna try to do everything we can to get this message out there. Obviously being with you today is, is a big part of that, but to make sure that practices understand there's you know, just more than the rule that comes into play here, obviously HIPAA is a big part of it as well. So they have to keep a, uh, a record for three years. What does the rule state on how long doctors have to provide prescriptions if requested from another en entity like, a, um, like a, a different contact lens lab? Yeah, it, if, it, it's, a, it's a very uh, tricky question, or it can be. It, the biggest thing, if, if it's coming from a covered entity, which would be a contact lens lab is considered a covered entity, which means there's no business associate agreement necessary. It also means there's no HIPAA authorization form necessary to share that information um, to, to that other covered, covered entity, as long as it's for the purposes of treatment, payment, and or, op or operations. Um, and so when it comes to treatment, 
and, and requested, and that information always has to be provided to that third party under the basis that it's a covered entity first when it comes to HIPAA compliance, and then also that uh, the information is is sent securely and within a timely timely manner. So for all the doctors out there that, that maybe justifiably complain that, that you know these laws are ridiculous and uh, you know it's it's overreach and, and um, maybe the question I'd like to hear from you is is why does providing in general patient records matter so much and, and how does HIPAA come into play? Yeah, it, it, having, I think as patients, right, us having access to our information, that's our personal information, right, our protected health information, that's ours. Um, and it, if getting that information is going to better improve outcomes, treatment plans, um, that obviously is very valuable information. And, and so if that information is uh, accessible um, in a, a secure manner and, and providers are efficient, Talk about, I mean, we're talking about better outcomes when it comes to, to treating patients. And I think at its core, that's what HIPAA compliance is all about, is making sure that the sensitive data that is vital in treating patients is efficiently uh, portable and securely portable um, within the healthcare community, those that are designated as a covered entity. And so if it's for treatment, payment, or operations, Yes, that information uh, can be the difference of, you know, in, in the eye care field of, of, of somebody regaining their vision or losing their vision and the efficiency behind sharing that information. And so we can't just send it out there because it is very valuable. Um, it has to be done securely. So that's where the extra steps come into play. But it's unfortunate. It's the world that we live in today. I think we all understand security and everything that goes into making sure that our information, all the data points that are out there on us, are secured by those entities that that store them. And an EHR solution used by an eye care practice um, is just that. It's an entity that stores very sensitive data that's very valuable on the black market. And so not only is it valuable for the outcome of, of, of treating a patient, but it's valuable to the people that want to gain access to it the most. And that's really the, you know, the, the criminals out there. Um, it's 10 times more valuable PHI is on the black market than any credit card information because you're talking about identities at that point. So um, it, it really, you know, HIPAA intertwines itself in all these different areas, including, you know, uh, rights of consumers to gain access, you know, and these patients to gain access to their medical information as well. So they can, you know, when it comes to fair trade, um, you know, make sure that, uh, you know, best practices are, are, are being uh, followed by all businesses out there. Yeah, and I, I should be clear when I said justifiable with doctors sometimes having annoyance with these different laws. Obviously, there's value to this, which you um, spoke to. And I think sometimes it's just the the emotional reaction to these extra steps that, that doctors have to take. And in, in some ways, just more inefficiencies and in, in dealing with a lot more um, on the administrative side that I think frustrates doctors. But like you said, it's the reality of the world we live in. Yeah, no, I, I, we get it. We sympathize with providers. It's why, you know, we've developed our solution around HIPAA compliance to be as efficient as possible because of all these things that are on their plate. They, it, it's completely overwhelming. We understand it. 
um, it's, it's an unfortunate reality. So I think, you know, providers really now more than ever need to start looking at, at utilizing technologies to, to create efficiencies within their organization because time is money. So we started with electronic prescriptions and we'll, uh, we'll end with electronic prescriptions. The word encryption, that word gets thrown around a lot. I sometimes wonder if everyone knows what it means. For a long yeah. time, I didn't know what it means. It was just this yeah. word, like it's encrypted or it's not encrypted. One is necessary for, uh, for HIPAA, but can you put some clarity to that? How would <laughs> somebody or how would I properly encrypt an email with a prescription if sending electronic? Yeah, I, the beauty of it is, is there's, it can be very easy. Um, there are third party solutions out there that can do it for you. Um, and so we, we partner with one, I, I'll just throw out their name. It, it's encrypt um, and they're on our website as a listed as a partner, but they have a very easy to use. It can be integrated into existing emails, um, but with the click of a button, it can become encrypted. And basically, you know, for, for all intents and purposes, encryption is just making sure that you know, those that shouldn't have access or, or um, you know, uh, gain visibility to sensitive data, uh, don't gain visibility to sensitive data um, while it's in transit. So while it's actually moving from, you know, across the internet, um, you know, there are filters set up and, and sophisticated ways and softwares that are set up to grab that information while it's in transit. And if it's not secured, if it's not unreadable, then that information is obviously exposed. And so while it's in transit, while it's going from one email address to the other, from one person to the other, um, it has to be secured. So it, you know, it, it's not accessible by those that shouldn't have access to it. And so they're basically, you know, a click of a button on the, on the practice side to enable that functionality. On the back side, the patient or what, whoever's receiving the information has a password and there's an authentication process involved with that. Um, and so once, you know, that's met, then that information is going to stay secure and that meets, you know, HIPAA compliant levels of security that can get a lot more detailed than that, but I'm trying to keep it, um, you know, elementary here for everybody to understand, but, you know, making sure that a business associate agreement is signed by the third party service that you're using is vital because when they sign that agreement, they're saying that they've developed their application, their, their software to the specifications of HIPAA compliance and what they've laid out and all these details that we don't need to get into today. Well, thank you, Matt. Once again, as always, for all your help. Absolutely. I definitely think this is something doctors need to hear before they violate HIPAA with a well-intended effort to stay compliant with the new rule. Um, where can people find out more about your company, Abide? Yeah, absolutely. Um, abide.com, and that's A-B-Y-D-E.com. Um, we specialize in, in HIPAA compliance, and, and we make the process as easily as possible. But more than any of that, we pride ourselves on education. And so if there are questions out there, don't have to be an Abide customer. Uh, you can gain access to our team and we can help point you in the right direction um, because there's a lot that goes into it. We understand that. And so we love to consider ourselves, you know, really consultants at heart um, with a, a very easy to use solution that, that manages all things HIPAA compliance. But, you know, there are unique situations that uh, we do hold hands on. So uh, even if it's not an Abide customer, we love obviously our relationship with IDOC. Um, so, you know, especially if it's an IDOC uh, provider, you know, do whatever, everything that we can to help them out when it comes to these new changes.
if you've uh, if anyone's ever asked me a HIPAA question and I get back with a really intelligent answer, there's a good chance uh, I, I'm just parroting what <laughs> what you told me. But I, I I try to give you credit for all the uh, the help along the way. So it's it's great having you guys for a resource as well. So. Um, with that, uh, with our good friend Matt de Blasi, this is Dr. Steve Vargo signing out. Thanks so much for listening.